0: Hello and welcome to episode three hundred and eighty-four of the Pen Attic Podcast, the podcast you love for all things stationary, all the analog tools, all the pens, the paper, the ink. We talk about it, you listen, and then you go out and buy stuff because that's what we make you do, and then we get in trouble. So my name's Brad Dowdy. I'm the pen Addict online. I host this podcast. And if you're a longtime listener, you know that by me doing the intro, which I do so poorly compared to my normal co-host, Mike Hurley, Mike's not here this week. So I have brought on a guest. And this week we have the King of Kenro, the Duke of the Day of Fountain Pens, the Prince of Pen Shows After Dark, Mr. Kerry Yeager. How are you doing, Kerry? <laughs>
1: I'm doing great, Brett. How are you today?
0: <laughs> good, good. I, I, had to, I had to get you a little bit like that. Mike used to do that every week for me for like a year straight. He would have some random nonsensical thing um, about, you know, the, the Prince of pendom and all these weird things. And it was so funny. And I was like, you know what? Let me stick it to Kerry a little bit. Let me turn the tables. And, uh, but I, I think it was appropriate. Uh, I think all those uh, phrases are accurate. What do you think?
1: <laughs> I think I was hysterical and I'm not sure I uh I'm kind of at a loss for words on that one. I have to tell you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well good, good. That's what I effort for. So uh I'm I'm glad I could make you uncomfortable right out the gate. We have a lot to talk about. like We talk a lot, as it is, just in our general day-to-day lives, me doing the work that I do with The Pen attic, you doing work with Ken Rowe and Fountain Pen Day, and we're going to talk about all these things as we go through. But as I was getting ready for this show, I realized the last time you ha- we had you on was all the way back in episode 222. That was over three years ago. Can you believe it was has been that long?
1: I really can't, because time flies in the pen world. Like, it's it really is. It's amazing that it's that it's been that long. And I was thinking about it as well.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that predates the Kenro time too. Is maybe like right before. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I didn't listen to it, but uh, I, that sounds right to me.
1: Yeah, it was it was right before I was you know sowing <laughs> my oats, if you will, looking around and uh, going through the interview process here and there, yeah, <laughs> and uh, trying to find my way and just you know, it was, it's kind of like you, where you, you just, you decided that this is, this is your life. Yep. This is where you want to be. These are the people you want to be with and interact with on a daily basis. And I was at that point and, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very long after we yeah. did that podcast that I settled in, uh, with Kenro. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it it's fortunate. Uh, you had that some extra spare time for me back then uh because you're you're such a busy man now i am grateful for you taking the time out <laughs> to doing this because we we talk so frequently and it's usually just like in passing like we're each running opposite directions and we'll yell things at each other um as as we're going by it's like you good you good yeah i'm good i'm good you good you good yeah yeah we're good we're good all right i'll talk to you later and then like we'll see each other tomorrow and do the same thing um so right now what is your job title with Kenro. And for those who don't know, Kenro is the U.S. distributor for many, many brands, uh, a lot of great fountain pen brands we're going to talk about in a minute. But what do you do for Kenro, just to kind of lay the groundwork of what we're going to talk about here a little bit?
1: For Kenro, for right now, it's, it's a lot of <clears throat> sales, uh, web work. I do a lot of stuff on the website and, and on the back end like that. And then product development, Obviously, we're going to get deep into. Yes. Um, that was something that, that came about soon after uh, I got to Kenro. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's like the day to day grind is pretty much those three things. You're talking about new product, you're <laughs> grinding out the sales and trying to bring those products out and putting them on the web so that all those people can see it.
0: And Kenro is strictly u.s or is it u.s and canada that you that you uh are the distributor for or how does how is that just geographical layout work
1: we are we are u.s uh and canada okay which is one reason we we ventured off into scriptus the last few years yeah so, we're
0: gonna talk about that
1: yeah that was that's always a good time so
0: yeah yeah so i think f- I think I first kind of learned about Kenro and what Kenro does when I started to fall for some Aurora pens. So I think that's a good, good place to start. So Aurora is an Italian brand. Kenro's been the distributor for as long as I've been in this business, which, you know, I don't know how long, you know, they've officially been the distributor, but it's been certainly long enough um, amount of time. And how does a distributor relationship work from kenro as a business in say the case of aurora when you're working with a company and getting their products to pass on then to your customers which are our you know the collective pin addict listeners our retailers that we shop with so give us a little bit of insight on how you work on a day-to-day basis with say an aurora brand and then we'll talk about some of the pens
1: well it, it is it is a process and it's all Sometimes it's longer than people realize, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, a new pen comes out and you see it and you don't, you know, the consumer, which used to be like myself and you, Mm -hmm. when we would just be like, oh, it's out and never realizing in the background that there was sometimes a year or more of work that went into getting that product out into the public and as a distributor, and especially with, you know, with Kenro and it's something that attracted me is that they're very dynamic and, you know, we don't just take a product take the ad that's given to us and put it out there and say, here it is and walk away. You know, for us, a lot of times we're working uh, our ideas with Aurora, um, telling them things that we see in the marketplace, uh, things that are changing, things that people request, things that people want. And then they produce a product based upon that. We then see the product, maybe make suggestions here and there, but once we know what's coming, then we're out. And that's when like the whole marketing starts Mm and, and, Going out there and going to pen shows, trunk shows, uh, looking to have the products a lot of times photographed, you know, a way that would appeal to our market. Mm -hmm. Because how they photograph it for, say, in Italy may not appeal to the market in America, you know, what we're looking for or what they're looking for at the time. So we have to take care of that and then putting it on the web and then giving, you know, all this information out to the retailers you know it's way beyond pricing and and just a basic product there's so much more that goes into it before it gets to that retailer because then the retailer has to have because the retailer has to have all that to tell the
0: story right and i was surprised when you and i have talked about this exact topic years ago at how much one to one Input you have with the brands you work with. I mean, they may take your advice or they may may tell you to to jump, but you can at least have that conversation, which I always found to be surprising. That was a surprising aspect to me that, oh, the manufacturer is listening to these distributors because actually the distributor is in a good position to understand what the market is. Is looking for as opposed to just the flat creation. Um, even though Aurora does their own, you know, market research and things like that, you can tell them things that they don't have feet on the ground in this market to try to understand. Right? Is that how that relationship kind of works?
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. We work with them constantly, and and it's not just it's not just us; it's other distributors. Sure. I mean, there are pens that they do the limited editions that you see in other countries, and people are like. Especially in our community, our community is knee deep in the trenches every day looking at what's out there, you know, (laughs) who's doing what and how they're doing it. And why can't I get it? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that FOMO comes into play if you're missing out. Right. And the perfect example for your question is like the sun, moon lake Mm -hmm. that came out for China. And that was over a year ago and people were just striving to get it just because they couldn't, you know what I mean? Sure. well, and because it's a beautiful pen, all right, right. you know, no doubt about it. Um, but we've done the same thing too, and Aurora is very good at listening to us and then being willing to to invest and make a pen that we need specifically for our, you know, area. And uh, and they've done that many many times. I mean, if you remember, the Nebulosa came out, which mm-hmm. was part of that Planet series in '88. Mm-hmm. People ask, they're like, "Oh man, if they ever made it in an Optima." And we went to Aurora and it was a material that they really are stringent on because they keep, you know, archives of all these rods so that mm-hmm. if there's ever a repair, you know, just whoever's going down into the basement of the, of the factory, literally in the basement mm-hmm. and pulling rods out so they can repair a pen, whether it's 20 or 30 years old. Right. So, right. but our marketplace wanted it. So we were able to make, uh, I think we made 88 of each in, uh, in two finishes for that Optima in purple and the Nebulosa purple. And it was only for us and it just sold out in a minute. It was really, really beautiful. Nice. But we got calls from other countries and they're like, wait, that was just yours, you know? And can we get it? And you know, it's just, it's just gone. And um, it, it happens, you know, where you make something specific to your place. And uh, and like I said, Aurora's really good with that. They listen to us, they work with us, you know, Joel uh, who owns Canro, Joel is our, you know, top guy he, uh, you know, he has a very strong relationship and he Mm -hmm. speaks to them on a daily basis. So,
0: yeah, that's super cool. So they'll do stuff for you, like specifically like exclusive to this market in their worldwide market, say things everyone has an access to. Do you have to fight for your allocation?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, the latest one It came up in conversation in the office today was uh the black mamba 88 which was you know
0: yeah so i have that specifically marked to discuss <laughs> so tell me is tell great. me about that yeah tell me about that pen because i got to see one i don't know where i saw that san francisco was it out then or did yeah, i see we that at drop we had it in san yeah um It's an impressive pen because it's different to me than the other 88s, not just in style, but in feel. So tell me about that pen.
1: So it's an 88, standard 88, but they engraved the entire pen so that it looks like the scales of a snake, a black mamba, if you will. And they blacked out all the trim. And then they put, of course, because it's a limited edition, they put the 18 karat gold nib on it, black that out as well. Mm. And so that they didn't do anything to the overall um, eye appeal of the pen, if you will, they engraved it almost like uh, like Omas used to do uh, right on the grip section. And it's just the number is just engraved right in the smallest spot where you can see it. But it is just a unique pen, a unique feel. And it's with Aurora. I mean, I see it more and more. And I know I rep the brand. So <laughs> this is coming from this is coming from my side, from a collector. They engraved the pen so well and so clean. I put a loop as soon as we got them in up to the finish. And I'm looking and I'm like, it's just so clean. Yeah, You know, because when you engrave something like that, a lot of times you'll get like little white peaks from pushing, you know, acrylic around. And it's just clean all through. And it just really, it's a sharp pen, glitters when you put light on it. And yeah, I'm, I'm... absolutely hoping that there will be uh, some left so that I could acquire one myself. Obviously,
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny to me who Aurora, when you generally look at the lineup, it's, it's bold and bright. And it's one of the reasons why I love them. It's funny to say that an all black pen is an outlier in their lineup, but it kind of is to me uh, as, as more of an outsider, you see it more and there's maybe more black pens that I'm missing, but just in general in the lineup, when you're lining it up against other 88s or other, um is it's like the all black one doesn't normally fit there and it's just pulled off really really well
1: they have such a you know i mean it's an italian company so they know style and they know mm-hmm. what you know things should how things should flow and at the end of the day it's also you know you have to remember it's an aurora 88 yeah it's got a r- awesome nib i mean they're made in-house and you know i mean i rave about it now because i got to as you did too when we were in L.A., um, and you got to spend time with Filippo, mm-hmm. I mean, I got to spend over a week with this guy, and he a you know, my super 25 years, and I've got a translator that's there that's kind of just answering my bizarro question. Sure. You know, and, and it's not, you know, it's not all business. It's about, you know, what did you do, and how did you get this to work, and why did you do it this way, and, you know, so it makes me like a classic pen that's a little bit different even
2: more.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. It's great to have that. So, what else is Aurora doing right now that's kind of piqued your interest, um, as either a fan or as a distributor? You know, it's kind of hard to displace those two when you know you, you work for the company, you know, if you will. But um, what is is what does Aurora uh, doing right now that's really shining bright?
1: I think what's shining bright is that they are when they come out with limited editions like the Arctic series, like the or the Ocean series that they have mm-hmm. right now. That they're keeping the numbers lower. You know, they're not making a thousand of each of five of these pens. You know, there's only, I think there's only 440 of each one or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, those are the ones that they did like five years ago, that same body style. They did the Mar Adriatica, which was the beautiful blue with the sterling silver and everything. Right. Um, so they're not doing too much of that. And they're also uh, branching out in the nib section where they did that, the new Gocha nib, uh, which is like a, uh, a togi. Nibs, mm-hmm. so that the higher the angle, your cross stroke is thinner, and the lower the angle, the wider. And
0: uh, and they're doing that themselves. Are they? They're doing that in-house. Yeah,
1: everything is in-house, and mm-hmm. those nibs. Um, you know, again, Filippo is doing. He's doing all that work, and they're letting him. You know, have that time to to kind of branch out and just do different things and and reach that market because the market right now, you know, everybody's looking at the nib. Right. everyone's looking for a different kind of nib and something that's done not just different but done right and yeah. uh and he really did he did it really really well yeah i, mean, can be, I own he, both i know you do and mm-hmm. it's it works how it should
0: yeah it can be a real differentiator in a pen i mean like the design is one thing like they you know aurora's materials are, are stellar i will say on on this lineup the with the uh the Oceani and the the, the Ocean, um, they are very proud of the cap band on those pins. I just want to say that uh, to you. They mm-hmm. really like the cap band design for that one. It's very large, <laughs> but yes. just the overall, it's an Aurora pen, right? You, you look at it without seeing the brand, you go, that's Aurora. And I do like yeah. that from a brand to have some kind of consistency through their lineup to where you know when you see it, what it is. And I've always appreciated that, uh, about Aurora's pens. And, uh, yeah, I just think they're fantastic. Yeah, they are. All right. I want to talk about Montegrappa because they confuse me a little bit. And I want to preface this by saying, I used to think the pens were okay, but like, they're fine. It's Montegrappa. This is the pen Montegrappa makes and it's fine. And then all of a sudden, within the past one to two years, I'm going, that's Montegrappa? Really? And it looks that cool and it writes this well? Why do I like Montegrappa so much now, Carrie? I can't figure it out myself. So I figure the the guy who handles these pens all day long can tell me why in the past year or two that I've fallen in love with this product as a brand.
1: Honestly, I think they are really... I've gained. Let me tell you. Before I say that, I've gained so much respect for that brand mm-hmm. after coming on board and learning the background and the history and everything that they've done with they're doing now and where they're going and the the, the way they're going part we're going to leave out because there's almost like a, we're almost at a non-disclosure kind of okay. point in the conversation. It's just amazing, you know. They have been family-owned. You know, Aurora is what hundred years. Montegrappa is a hundred and. 12 years, something like that, or 107 years, I think now, family owned. And they just strive to achieve the next level, not like the next best thing, but the next level of whatever they're doing. You know, this is a company that you look at and they change from making, you know, they change from making like just nothing but extravagant, extraordinary pens to starting to make more and more daily users. And as they did that, they learned what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that now, like they've learned that the Joa nib is an excellent out-of-the-box experience. Yeah. So, what did they do in the last two years? They have changed over so that every new pen that they're bringing out is using a Joa number six nib or or five, but a number six steel nib, and even the number six gold nibs, they're using Joa as well. Mm-hmm. The number eight gold nib is still uh, a Bach
2: mm-hmm.
1: with that huge ebonite flat feed. So, I mean, that's pretty epic nib. But yeah. um, they have switched over and made sure that that's the direction that they're going. That the pens that they put out right out of the box really well. And they're trying to keep things at a certain price level. But at the same time, they they there's a balance. And an example would be they're coming out with uh, – the next in their warrior series for those Mm. who know or those Mm. who don't know they had the samurai last year Mm -hmm. and you know just unbelievable pen the way they did the casting and the silver work on them and it's a fifteen thousand dollar (laughs)
0: pen that's just which I've got to play with which just sounds weird (laughs) it, it does but you know you you
1: just It it just is a next level. It's a next level kind of fan. The way that it's cast, the way that the artisans that they have working there do the silver work and and just, it's just phenomenal that they can actually put it together, that they can actually have everything work the way that it works and look as pretty as it looks and be on that extravagant level. Mm -hmm. And then the next year they come out and now they have the Viking, which is (laughs) 18,500, which is just it's just, but it's unbelievable. Like you look at the pen and you see what they've done with this piece of art that happens to be a writing instrument. And you're like, wow. But the balance is, this is, this is what I, I love telling when I'm at a pen show. The balance is when people look at stuff like that or um, Lord of the Rings, the limited editions, you know, Montegrappa is very grounded in that, you know, they do a lot of other things that people, you know, don't always get to see. Um, there's a pen out right now that, that actually, you know, for the Michael J. Fox foundation Yeah, and, you know, Giuseppe spent a lot of time and effort to make sure that, you know, the pen came out and that the Elmo that's out is in the right colors. The clip is actually designed by, uh, an artist who, who suffers from Parkinson's and, you know, they're looking to work or they work, they look to work with and are working with the Fox foundation to give back. and. You know, you you hear that, and you're like, "Wow, that's really a diverse company as a whole." Mm. And uh, I love that about them. You know, that they really understand where they need to be. That they're in the community, and they're hitting all points. And they they just fire on all cylinders all the time now. Really,
0: yeah it's it's been interesting to watch from someone who follows this stuff uh, like I do. And I do think the the nib transition a couple years ago was the start of you know, me getting more interested in the brand, but then the designs just kept getting better and better. And we're talking about the, the, the normal people product lineup, not the, um, enough to drive your pen to work price range, uh, lineup, which I appreciate that they do that. Like I've got a newfound appreciation after talking to some people who own these products, um, you know, um, like in our, our event at, Uh, fountain pen hospital last year, you know, I got to talk to the owner of a chaos pen who was wearing it around his neck and just the belief he had in that product. And I was like, like getting to talk to the owners of, of products like this, it just kind of changes, changes a little bit of your mindset. Um, but like you say, I shop in the, Hey, let me, uh, use this pen every day. And I was super happy for the Tulip for Team Fox Edition when Ron at I asked me to work with him on that i like I was thrilled like I couldn't say yes fast enough. it was just really, really neat, and you know I like the um uh the Monte grappa Monte Grappa as much as I enjoy the naming convention of that pen. I enjoy <laughs> the pen because it's a great writing pen, right, and it's got a cool like ratcheted filling piston filling system and like and it's just cool and it fits my hand well and it's designed well i don't know they're just they're just kind of knocking it out of the park recently on their mainline pins and then they have all the extra stuff right like uh, all the you know winter is coming and you know like you said lord of the rings and and all that stuff you sent me a text today knowing that you were going to be on the podcast tonight and it contained a singular picture (laughs) and um is we can talk about this picture that you absolutely. sent me? Absolutely. Okay. So tell me what we you sent me can. because I don't know what this is totally. You kind of explained <laughs> it, but you, we didn't go into it. So uh, what, what did you send me? We had, I guess we had the conversation we usually have at a pen show. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, it's just a like kind of a, a, a drive by, if you will.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. That-
1: you know, the, because the picture I, everyone, for everyone that wants to know the picture I sent Brad was of a new pen from Montegrappa called the Maya 450. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and just real quick, we have all these links in the show notes, all these pens we're talking about. This will all be in the show notes. You can, you can play along at home when you're listening and see what these pens look like that we're talking about. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, that's okay. That's good. So part of working, like we work with Aurora, we work with Montegrappa very closely as well. And uh, we were there. I wasn't there, but I think it was um, Brian and Joel were there uh, in the factory and looking around. And, you know, they're always discussing new projects and things that go on. And, you know, Montegrappa is one of the last saviors of the celluloid. So we always look to them for anything interesting like that. And the Maya is a pen that they made years ago. They did one with, like, carbon fiber in the middle, and then the ends were um, celluloid. So. We asked about making them. You know, there were parts left over from the Maya, parts meaning the trim rings, the clip, and stuff like that. And um, we commissioned basically uh, Montegrappa to make these. So we've got to pick out of five colors. It was a uh, it's uh, black and white, orange, which is the one I sent you a picture orange, of, of course. Orange, it's orange.
2: It's mm, orange.
1: it's, it's orange. You and I are the orange kings. I think so. <laughs> Um yellow, red, and then there's a blue. Oh. And what happened is the blue, there we we were only able to make 50 of those. Mm-hmm. So the others, there's only a hundred of each. So there's 450 pens altogether. So Maya, 450. It flows. Nice. So we commissioned to have those made, bought the entire lot. So it's a US exclusive, and they are just starting to come in and are in time for Christmas, you know? I mean, that's, <laughs> this is, you know, oh, is you, where just made it your, is.
0: you just made your boss so happy. Like, <sighs> I can't even stand it right now. I'm going to get yelled at so bad.
1: It It is such a shameless plug because, because and, and the reason I like this pen so much is, this is what I mean about collaboration. When Montegrappa came out and they moved over to Joa nibs and they started doing the Joa flex nib on some of the higher end pens, Well, our group being how we are and as close as we are and being in business with with Monte Grandpa so long, Giuseppe honored our request so that these pens come with extra fine, fine, medium, broad stub and an extra fine flex and a fine flex as an option. And there's no upcharge.
0: Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
1: So that is really cool. In a day and age where so many are charging even for an extra fine you Mm -hmm. know i mean it's happening because it is it's a lot more it is a lot more work to make these nibs and and time is money and and labor is not cheap and it's difficult so when we're able to do something like that you know it that makes a big difference to me you know that you can we can offer them
0: yeah. And let's not bury the lead completely. These are thousand dollar pens. Like this is not, you know, the $300 price point. This is the higher, higher end price point. Well, it's probably like the mid range price point for Grappa. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yeah, they're just, they're, I see Grappa's materials and kind of like Aurora, like you can tell, right? Like you can tell, oh, this is a Montegrappa material. Like it's, it's pretty unique in yeah. the way the materials, uh, come out and, and it's just fantastic looking. So yeah, I'm anxious to see one of those in person. I'll check one out when I get the chance just to see what it looks like and what the feel looks like and you know what the nibs uh feel like and, and things like that. So this looking at this pen, it it I have a an off uh off the notes <laughs> question here. At your office does everyone walk around riding with like the chaos pen or like the, the Maya four fifty or I don't know, Brian, Brian seems like a, a big guy. Like he probably just walks around with like a big, he's got a stack uh-huh. of bics on his desk. So what is, what do y'all's desks look like at the office?
1: Usually covered in pens, <laughs> um, to be quite honest. Uh, let's see. We all, of course we all have those brands. I mean, they're mm-hmm. always, because we are always writing with them and checking things out and trying, them. but, Full disclosure, Holser uh, Brian Holster, mm-hmm. our vice president. Mm-hmm. He has the most beautiful hand engraved mule
0: I've uh, ever seen. Cool, those, yeah, those were really good for engraving, right? Those were pretty cool,
1: yeah, because it's raw copper. So he does pocket shots a lot, and you'll see it. Mm-hmm. He always has that around him, always, always, always. It, it's just never plus, he fears I might walk off of it. So, <laughs> um, that being said, uh, there are other pens around. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a few retro fifty ones around the office. Yeah, here and there. yeah, I mean, it, happens. You know, it happens.
0: It happens. You know. it, it,
1: it happens for sure. Yeah. Um, and my desk obviously is just is just covered from end to end.
0: Oh, I I bet. And it's probably with the brand we're going to talk about next. But before we do that, I want to take a little break to tell you about our good friends at ExpressVPN. This episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You might think that nobody wants your online data or to snoop on you, but when you browse the web without anything to protect your privacy, you risk hackers, ad companies, and more collecting your data. And it does happen to people like us, which is why I recommend ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN runs in the background of your computer or phone. It encrypts your data, hides your public IP address. Uh, you can just download the app, click connect, and you're protected. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It uses cutting-edge technology called Trusted Server to make sure there are no logs of what you do online. It costs less than $7 a month and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Carrie, I was just at one of your favorite pen stores, Dromgool's in Houston, Texas. And when I wasn't at the store, I was back in the hotel room, you know, on my laptop doing work, checking out what's going on. My laptop cover comes up, I log into my computer, I click ExpressVPN, and I know I'm protected on whatever hotel Wi-Fi is doing with my network at the time. So you can protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash penaddict. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash penaddict for three months free with a one-year package. Take back your online privacy. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for support of the PEN Act and all of Relay FM. All right, Estherbrook has been through several cycles of its life, <laughs> and right now it's in about as good a place as it can be because Kenro has full ownership of the brand, full control over the name, and is actually getting to design, make, manufacture, and distribute these pens. So we haven't talked about this um, on the podcast since, like I mentioned before, we, you weren't quite a- with Kenro at the time. So can you give us a little bit of background of not really like the acquisition part, but how you decided to make your own pen part? making your own pen you know
1: i think it stemmed way way back that kenra dabbled in um they had a company called Mm labelle and they were making pens and it was just you know kind of getting your feet wet situation and they made them for a while and i think it was around that time that they had omas also so you had omas you had montegrappa you had aurora and you know there's only so much you can do at one time and i think after the demise of of omas unfortunately um you know they've been open and looking for the right brand and you know part of it you look at, at people like uh, Sid Saperstein who who has Wall Sharp and you know that's an, a, a brand that's just iconic and it fell into his lap and he got it and it just those things don't happen so when Esther came around and became available you know it was a very very intriguing offer and a brand that is just known since forever. I mean, it's just, it's like, I believe if I'm correct, it's the fifth U S not patent, the fifth U S trademark.
0: Yeah. Pretty much literally forever. Pretty crazy.
1: (laughs) Pretty much literally forever. Yeah. So it was, you know, a meeting among the minds and what can we do with this brand and how can we develop it? and and Kenro being, who they are. I mean, they've been doing it for 27 years and worked with a lot of brands. And like I said, the way we worked with Aurora, Montegrappa, you know, we're constantly developing ideas and what we can do to the market space. And that's pretty much what we did with Estherbrook. You know, what, what can we do to make this brand iconic and literally be reborn? I mean, that's like, that's what we say every day. It's, it's reborn. So what can we do to make that, that Live true to uh, to what we're saying, and when we sat down, it was. And you have to remember that you know in our office, and I'm not patting anyone's back or saying any bad on anybody, but in our office, we like pens. <laughs> you know, all of us are, but you know, there are used car salesmen out there. You know, there sure. really are. There are people that will just make a pen and sell it, and we no. don't do that. And and I can say that because I'm there and I live it every day. We go in there with a passion, and I mean all of us. We sit down at the beginning of the day for an hour, and we talk every, every single day about our ideas, our thoughts, and different things that we want to do. And that's what we did with the brand was, what can we do? What can we do to make this pen how it should be? From the clip to the material to the shape to the nib to the filling system, you name it, it came up in conversation. And at the time that I came in, I mean, it really wasn't there very long. And I mean, I was there for a reason. You know, I'm a pen nut. And I was brought in very graciously into a very deep situation. And when we took it on and we wanted to see what was going on, the first uh, trade show that was about pens and and had manufacturers there was actually in Hong Kong. You have to remember, Brian, who was there for 25 years, was like, you know what? Who's going to (laughs) go? And it ended up being myself, which I was stunned, uh, Ryan Cerniano and uh, Joel, and the three of us went, and uh, I was it was just eye-opening to learn so much and be able to you know kind of soak it all in, and at the same time, it was hard because you learn the process and that you can have the greatest idea, but if you, you just want to make a pen, it takes time. It takes time steps that you can't skip and um when we came home from that trip i mean we were really i mean every day we were talking you mean i say we talk for an hour every day we were talking two and three hours every day and by the time that sd came out which believe it or not it's really only been a year we released our first pens in, in dallas last year really and it feels it feels like it's been five years that we've had the brand and had it out there but we just celebrated a year of release at Dallas. And it, it's just every time we talk about it, we just are, are shocked at how the brand is done and the strength that it's had, and how people have taken to it, and the conversations that we get into at pen shows um, with with customers and end end users. And honestly, that that pen, that SD, when that came out, we easily spent a thousand hours. I kid you not, conversing, just sitting down and talking. I don't mean making phone calls. I don't mean doing email. <laughs> I mean just. Just us as a group, just talking about what should be done and how it can be done. And you don't realize it, you know, when you see a pen come out, that there might have been a very long process uh, to do so. It's, It's just been an amazing, amazing experience to be able to have like my thoughts, my ideas taken as seriously as they were and seeing those ideas actually come to life in a pen that's out there in so many people's hands.
0: How important was it to have the nib adapter for old Esterbrook nibs at the initial launch of the brand?
1: It was everything. You know, the, the, the story can go, will go like this. When we got Esterbrook and we talked about where they are, we looked at brands today that have been around for hundreds, you know, a couple hundred years. Say. So we looked at Waterman specifically as like, where are they now? What does a Waterman look like today? It does not look like the red ripple with the pink nib of <laughs> yesteryear, correct? <laughs> sure. Because you can't, and and things yeah. progress, and you move into a modern time, and now you've got longer pens, bigger pens, a little bit girthier, yada yada yada. So, we needed a modern pen for Asterbrook. You can carry it every day. It writes every all the time. The clip works correctly. You know, we did we did a cushion cap in it so that it would seal down on top of the nib and make sure that it stayed wet. Where is that connection? because it had been gone for so long? You know, where is the connection to the past? how do we how do we in, get to the community and make them understand that we really care about the brand? And that came from us deciding there's got to be a way to get the the old j nibs or dollars dollar nibs to fit and work in a modern pen. There has to be a way, even though it used a lever filler and it never was intended to be used with a cartridge converter. I mean a cartridge or a converter and we gave it to four or five designed people and we proposed the idea and one person figured it out. And it, it you know, at that time, you know, you're looking at costs and everything and and you have to remember it's like, a, it, it's like the money pit, if you will. Mm. You're just spending here and spending there because you're developing and you're trying to get ideas out there. And you're just, it, it's just, it's un- unbelievable how quickly you can escalate costs on something. And especially when you have a a harebrained idea and you say, I want to use this nib in this kind of pen, even though it was never designed to be done. And um, when we got the first prototype in and we saw how it worked, we were, I was stunned. I really was. And I mean, because you could, we took the old nib and you just put it into this new section and you had the new section fit the new pen. And you capped it. And because we had that cushion closure, it kept that little tiny nib. And most of them are super fine. You know, they, they write really thin lines because they were for dictations a lot and schoolwork. Oh, yeah. work. They're amazing. And it kept them wet. And we would literally keep them capped for two weeks at a time, uncap it, and just like touch the tip of the, the nib to the paper. And it was like dot, dot, dot. And it would work. And it that's just how they work. And it, and it comes down to, you know, back then, you know, that those caps have a breather hole in them. So they would dry out if you didn't use them constantly. And that's just how it is. It's not because it's a bad product, it's just how it was. Now, with the cushion closure on that cap that we have on the modern SD, it keeps the vintage nib wet writing all the time. And I have more people come up to me at pen shows, you know, with I mean, I'm not even gonna get into one of the stories, but stories <laughs> upon stories upon stories about the old nibs that they have from, you know, grandmother, great-grandfather, ones that they just happened to find at a junk sale and they're using them again. And I love hearing that, you know, it's you recycling, if you will, you know, it's kind of a nostalgia thing that flows into that as well. From
0: my perspective, I, I still can't believe it's only been a year. That kind of blew my mind when you said that, but what's happened in this year of since release is that the brand has been able to, Take over like a spot of its own in the modern pen, you know, sphere that we're in. Even though you know it's a vintage name brand, and it's built around, yeah, you can use these old nibs. But I think it's become like a standalone product now, at least from my viewpoint, to where people are looking for Esterbrook, Oh, what is Esterbrook doing now? Not to put in necessarily put in the old nib, even though that's an important story to tell. But that it's looking at, oh, what does the new Esterbrook look like N- and not considering the nib adapter? Would you say that's fair in the progress you've seen over the past year?
1: Absolutely. I absolutely would, because that is something, you know, that it, it's specific to that pen. You know, being able to do it to one was a great undertaking. And it's one, like I said, we're, so, it, we're proud of it. You yeah. know, I'm proud of it. Yeah. I can't believe we were able to do that because it gave it, a good base. Um, because going forward, there are pens, you know, the next pen that's coming out is the Camden and it's a metal pen because we wanted something different. You know, we don't want, it's like you said, you don't want people to just associate you as just this group. You know, we Mm -hmm. want to have that, that expansion in the brand and be able to do different things and expand, you know, to different demographics of people that want to write because if you hit one group of writers it's great and you really want to make them happy but you want to expand you know it's like our community when you go to a, when we go to the same pen shows year after year you want to see that community grow and the more different you can have the more that group will grow because there's more people that are intrigued because not everybody's gonna like every product you put out mm-hmm. and that's just say as somebody who's putting out product and kind <laughs> of having a lot of input and ideas and I hear people like yeah, that's all right. I mean, I don't know if I would have done that. And I'm just like, (laughs) really? You know what I battled? You know how many hours I battled at work with everybody to get something, you know? And so that's where, you know, we, we are definitely expanding and, you know, the Camden is just one. I mean, there's so many projects that we have working one that I can't talk about, but I'm sure some people know of a project or are expecting a certain project to come to life eventually. And it is for sure in the works. So, but I can't really say what that is. But I, all of, all, all our people out there, they're all going, Ah,
0: oh, <laughs> You're as bad a tease as I am. I, I, I like it. I, like I want
1: to, believe me, believe me, I want to tell you. i want to <laughs> tell you so bad. <laughs> it's funny,
0: uh not to like tell all of our secrets, but I remember... Before Estherbrook happened, you would text me just to say I'm doing a thing and I can't tell you, but I'll tell you at some point. And that would be the extent of the text. And then it'd be like six months before there'd be another text. I'm like, I'm still that thing is gonna <laughs> happen, and I can't tell you, but it's when it happens, it's gonna be good. Um, I just want to tell you congratulations, and I'm proud of you for what you've put into this. Um, I know it's a labor of love because I know you personally. And I'm just thrilled that this has gone as hopefully as well as, as you have hoped. And uh, from my perspective, I think it has. Um, but uh, I'm just uh, very, very happy that uh, this has happened for you and, and for Kenro. And, uh, you know, I, I hope to c- continue to see it grow. Uh, it's, it's pretty fantastic that y'all have been able to pull this off.
1: Thanks. Thanks. I really, I really have to say, I appreciate hearing that because we do, we put a lot into it and, you know, I work with some really incredible people. I am, I am fortunate and I can assure you and the whole audience out there, (laughs) I, I really do appreciate and understand and, you know, being, that's one thing about getting older. I've noticed you, you kind of learn to appreciate things that you (laughs) normally would just be like, ah, that's cool. And, But I I truly do. I really I work with great people. I get to do a lot. I get to travel a lot. I get to see. I get to hang out with the community all the time. I mean, my job is being out there with the people. You know, going to a pen show. That's my job, really? Mm -hmm. You know, and people will come up to the table (laughs) and they'd be like, What are you doing? Like, what's new? What's going on? And I'm like, Well, you're on your day off visiting the pen show. And I said, I'm working right now you know, and obviously I say that to our group kind of people mm-hmm. and, and they laugh and they get, it, you know, <laughs> go, Oh my God, it must be great. And I'm like, you want to know something really, I hate to say it, but it is. And, you know, cause I get to play with all the prototypes and all the new stuff <laughs> that comes in and get to just, you know, the new nib comes in and it's like, everyone's like, Oh, this is cool. And everyone tries it. And then my job, my job is, you know, Joel saying, Carrie here, take this home for the weekend and fool around and play with it. And, Tell me what you think. You know, we we will talk about it on Monday, and I'm like, that's my that's my job, really. Yeah. I mean, I can remember blogging, and I would just be like, "Can I just review a, a Ypsilon please?" And be, oh, yes, yes. And and now it's you know, you're just in it all day long, and but again, like I said, the point to that was just to say, truly, I am thankful. I really understand how good I have it, and being able to do what I love every day as much uh, as I do, it just it's its really, really, it's a great feeling.
0: Well, I'm going to talk to you next about maybe not feeling so great after all the Penn Show travel. As much as you love it while you're there, I know <laughs> how much you travel. And I want to dig into that. But first, I want to talk about my good friends and your good friends, Carrie Yeager at Penn Chalet. This episode of The Pen Addict is brought to you by Pen Chalet. They sell authentic, amazing rollerballs, fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more. They have all of your favorite brands like Monteverde, Pelican, Lamy, Pilot, Namiki, Sailor & Kaveco, and of course, are an authorized dealer. They have very fast and reliable customer service. They run special discounts twice a month, including closeout specials every two weeks. And they're always adding new styles of pens every single month. As well as the brands I mentioned earlier, Pen Chalet sells limited edition pens and all the pen accessories you ever need, like pen carrying cases, pen holders, refills, fountain pen converters, and so much more. They have free shipping on orders over $50 in the U.S., but they also sell international with very reasonable shipping rates. Pen Chalet has low prices on high-quality pens and offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So go to penchalet.com, click on the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the password PENADDICT for this week's special offer, and to get the code, you need to save 10% on anything at Pen Chalet. So, our bit on the podcast carry is I don't get to look at these offers ahead of time. So I just rolled into the Pinchella site. I clicked the radio podcast button, put in the code pin addict and found a crazy deal on the Platinum 3776, which is a fantastic pin, one I brag about all the time. I think it's a fantastic writer. It's a crazy good price. And second, secondly, and I'm pretty sure Ron didn't know you're coming on this week, the second uh, item in my list is a free Esterbrook 25 ounce stainless steel bottle with any purchase of the Esterbrook SD, the Esterbrook SD Oversize, or the Esterbrook SD SE. I swear to you, this was not planned because Ron wouldn't have known you were going to be my guest this week. So that's pretty funny. So, uh, Y'all should head over to Pen Chalet, check out all the deals, check out their wonderful selection of products this week. And thanks so much to Pen Chalet for sponsoring, sponsoring relay FM and Pen addict. Tell me about this water bottle. You gave me this water bottle. Whose idea was this? It's pretty cool. It's fancy. It's a fancy <laughs> it Easterbrook water bottle.
1: It, it, it is. And it's a water bottle. It looks like it has stickers and they're actually printed on there. Yeah. So you can wash it and they don't come off. And, uh, but it, we also left room so you can put your own stickers on there, too. You know, you can put more on there. Feel free. Yes. Um, enough that, never enough stickers. Never enough stickers. Bottom of the laptop, top of the laptop, <laughs> you move on to the phone. So um, that idea was Brian, Brian Holser, who's what? our vice president. No way. And you see, that's the thing. Everybody in our company has like a little specialty. And that's why that's why sometimes the conversations, honestly, they go more than an hour, they'll go two hours because, you know, everyone's got a different thought and puts it into the process. Brian is like that creative guy and he constantly comes up with new ways to engage. And the water bottle, you know, you walk around and he's like, I see water bottles everywhere. Everybody's got a water bottle. Nobody Nobody wants to, you know, throw away the plastic and we should make a water bottle with our name on it. And, you know, really? Yeah. And then two days go by and he, he's got a layout of what one should look like and how it <laughs> should look. And you know what? We could even put like a logo from from one of the stores and we'll figure out how to balance everything out so they can just give it away. That's and, crazy. You know, sometimes you hear that and, and, you know, Joel will try and rope us back in and say, guys, you, you can't <laughs> give away the world, you know, and, you know, he always, he tries to keep us at bay and he does a great job at doing that. But yeah, so we did we did a water bottle and we figured it out. We navigated the whole situation. And it's it's awesome. It's just awesome to be able to have it out there. And it's it's another way to have our brand in people's face saying, look, here's something cool, here's something that you know the community uses. A lot of people in our community use this. And we know that because we are constantly, you know, with them. You know, we're constantly with our people, listening to what they want, seeing what they do, how they journal, how they write, what they're traveling with. And, you know, it makes an impact. It really does. And I see him now when I see him, like I was at Ohio last weekend, and I saw a couple of people and they had him, you know, tucked into the side of the backpack. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I know that. I know that water bottle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to see stuff like that. So Ron was one of the people that took that on and he's got it as
0: his special. That's great. That's great. So you were just at Columbus, so we we've been talking for a few weeks about getting together to record this episode. I had I had the date wrong at first, which I fessed up to. Um, <laughs> but you were at Columbus last weekend. The previous weekend, you were in Toronto. How many shows do not just you, but how many pin shows? I know y'all do a lot of other, you know, travel for other business lines and and other you know things you do outside of pin shows. It's constant. But how many pin shows does Kenro show up at to? uh uh, in like in, in the U.S., I guess, in Canada now.
1: In the U.S., I think we did twelve shows this year. Golly, out of fourteen, I think there was only actually, yeah, that there was only I think only two shows maybe that we missed. That's a and lot. That was it. Otherwise, we're there. It is, you know, it is, it is a lot. But we have something to say. We have something to show, and we have insight and information we want to find. You know, and like I said, <laughs> we really like what we do. Yeah. So giving up weekends and traveling a lot and being away from the family is not always easy, but we're with our surrogate family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
0: And that's really how it feels. That's why we do it. That's a cool way to put it. And I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here. So I I stream on Twitch now a couple of days a week in the mornings and we just generally chat about pen stuff. And today when I was when I was um, live streaming, the topic came up that, hey, I'm, I'm talking to Carrie tonight and, you know, do y'all have any questions uh, for Carrie? And they, they had a couple questions and I'll, I'll work those in later, but, the general comments were like, Oh carrie, I love him he 's always so happy he 's always smiling he 's always so friendly he 's always so nice, and you know what? I told them I said it's all true. <laughs> I was like everything you're <laughs> saying is all true like he is not he is not that person that like takes any of this for granted, like he just loves doing this, so I know going to the shows how exhausting it is, but you're always you know you're always so nice and friendly to Everyone that I see and everyone that interacts with you, so I wanted you to know that you got a bunch of bunch of shout outs on the on the Twitch stream today. So that was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's good. That's good to hear. It's hard, you know. When, you know why it's good to hear? Because sometimes you feel, and I, you you're in the grind too. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like sometimes you're like, oh, I'm so beat, and yeah. and you're like, Did I just do the right thing with that person? Did right. I? Yeah, no, I was good. I was good. Or or the worst is, is you'll <clears throat> at the end of the show you'll go up to the room and you'll sit down for five minutes and then you realize it's like 10 o'clock at night.
0: Totally. And
1: you go downstairs and every half the people are gone and you're like, <sighs> <laughs>
2: you know,
1: you, you, not that you not that you need to be there. Not that we need to be there. Everyone listening. Not that we need to be there. Right, Everybody right, right. does, but, but it's just, you know, you, you just feel like you want to be, always be there to support and, you know i mean for me it's always making sure i engage with people that are that are new and mm-hmm. uh, i think that's why i like Pencho's after dark the way that whole thing came K-tow. about you know lisa and, and everything and and i just i think it's such a good way to bring so many people in because i hear that story sometimes somebody will come to me you know and it's always embarrassing it's, it's but they're like you know you were so nice and and, and i didn't know anybody and you you were like sit at our table and just sit down and it doesn't matter what you have and Mm -hmm. just hang out with us. And and he's like, and now I have so many friends and blah, blah, blah. And then, and you know, it may sound trivial and silly sometimes, but it, it, it keeps people involved in something that, you know, maybe they were meant to be involved in and they didn't get scared away and, and, and not be part of the community as a whole. So.
0: Yeah. That feedback means everything to me. Like that, you know, people getting, you know, Going outside their normal, you know, feeling to go into like a crowded room with a bunch of people that you may not know everything about all the things that you're about to see and to be able to have some sense of comfort and normalcy that we can hopefully help provide just by spending some time, you know, talking and like showing you around and explaining things. Like, there's nothing I would rather be doing than that. I promise you that. Like, that is it for me. Like, if I can help people out at these pin shows because I was there too. And like, you just want to go in and be able to be relaxed and have fun and, you know, enjoy the atmosphere and the people and the things you see. And, uh, it's not easy for everyone. And I just try to try my best to like, make it a great situation for everyone. So that's, that's super cool. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot and make you pick your favorite pin show of the year. Go. San Francisco. (laughs) I, if that was probably like the odds on favorite, like I'm pretty sure, um, we got to see each other for probably less than five minutes at that show. I would think that's safe to say.
1: Yeah. That's probably about right. Yeah. That's how it goes sometimes, but yeah, yeah, that
0: show, mm -hmm. it's a great show. Um, it's great layout. Great. Um, Show promoters and great crowd. It's just a, a super super fun show. I was jealous you went to Toronto a couple weeks ago because I had so much fun mm. last year. That was one of the fav- my favorite trips I've ever taken. Um, I know that shows difficult for a lot of people because it's one day and it's very busy and very crowded. But it's just a cool vibe, and you can do things in the days leading up to the show. Like we went around to you know the pin stores in Toronto and and things like that, and got to hang out up there. So I mean, who doesn't want to go to Toronto, right? Um, that's very cool. Um, you're doing something uh, off books here pretty soon. Uh, is that is that the safe way to say it? Maybe some little overseas travel to do a little something. What do you what do you have up your sleeve?
1: <laughs> so. Um... I'm actually going to the Madrid pen show
0: in 10 days. (laughs) So let's, let's just to get this straight, you've done like 10 (laughs) or 10 or 12 pen shows for work. Um, and then for like, I'm going to air quote vacation, you're going to go to a pen show. Do I have that correct? Pretty much. That is, uh, that's
2: (laughs) correct. There you
0: go. Um, how did this come about and what are you, what are you most looking forward to?
1: Uh, let's see. I have had, cause I talked to everybody. Uh, many people say, you know, that the overseas shows, cause I always spoke about it after going, I think it came after scriptus the first time. And I was like, this is really cool just to see what it's like. So what show do you go to after that? And all the shows over there are one day. Mm-hmm. Madrid is the one that's actually three days. Mm-hmm. So it made, it, it just made more sense to shoot for that one. And last year I was actually trying to navigate how to do it and it didn't work out. And this year navigating, navigating, and it just happened to fall into play. Uh, and it's funny at the, uh, Ed Capizzi who owns the Colorado show, who Mm -hmm. I'm friends with, and I've been always helping him with the show. He is going as well. Nice. Um, and Sarge, the one man pen show. Mm -hmm. I've spoken to him about it a couple of times and, uh, He, you know, anything he says sounds great. First of all, the accent is just crushes it every time. Um, But he's like, oh, mate, I'm not even going to try But he said, oh, Mm -hmm. mate, I'll see you for a drink. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I got to figure it out. But that being said, when I told Brian Hulser, our vice president, uh, that I was going, he, um, you know, part of part of Estherbrook is going worldwide, Mm -hmm. is, you know, going global. Right and he started looking into it and we have uh, a distributor there that we've been working with for a while and he didn't you know i think at the time and just didn't realize that it was a three-day show because we were used to everything being one day mm-hmm. long story short it's a three-day show there's people to see it made it worthwhile so esterbrook all right kenro but we're going as esterbrook um is going to be a sponsor and have a table at the Madrid Penn Show.
0: Oh wow, that's cool. That's very so. Cool.
1: Brian actually is going to go, so now I have somebody else that's that that is going.
0: Nice. Um,
1: and while I'm not working, of course, you know, I'm gonna I'll end up behind the table yakking it up. I'm sure for a little while. But yeah, so we're who knows? Maybe now, maybe next year, I'll be going not on vacation, now I'll be working <laughs> and having to go.
0: Hey, the that'd hardships be all right.
1: of life. The hardships of life. Having to you know. So, but now I really am looking forward to it.
0: He said something there that that made me uh made me want to ask you this Are you more comfortable in front of the table or behind the table?
2: Mm, no
0: behind the table when I'm in front of the table it me it only leads to bad things right like that's how I answer it too like i'm i end up if uh, i'm if I'm not working, which is very rare, I'll still end up behind the table because that's my comfort zone right That's where I feel yeah. the most comfortable talking to people. Like shopping around, I still feel awkward. Like even though like it's like totally fine, like I still end up behind someone, either my table or someone else's table, wanting to help or work or do something. I don't know why. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. But so. that's
1: just it. No, you're right. You want to. You're because you want to engage. You want to. Yeah. Just every opportunity. It just it's just natural that you want to do that. I I totally. Totally agree. I know exactly yep. what you mean.
0: Yep. Yep. It's an interesting feeling, but uh, it's, it's cool. I've, I've just caught myself doing it when I shouldn't be doing it, like when I should be taking a break, like I won't do it. <laughs> it's just weird. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of breaks, yes. I got one more break we're going to take. Then we're going to talk about all things Fountain Pen Day. I want to hear how this Fountain Pen Day went for you and everybody else. <laughs> this episode of the Pen Attic Podcast is brought to you by Eero. You want to binge watch your favorite TV shows from anywhere in the house without interruption? You need Eero. Eero blankets your whole home with fast, reliable Wi Fi, eliminating poor coverage, dead spots, and buffering so you can have consistently strong signal wherever you need it. I use Eero here at the house. Uh, my house is kind of like long and skinny and spread out, so I have the central location where the modem. Uh, it's hooked up from the street. The Eero plugs into that. Then I have the Eero hubs that are throughout my house that allow me to get Wi-Fi all the way back in the bedroom, which is like the furthest point from where my Wi-Fi connectivity is at. And Eero works fantastically for that. Eero is the Wi-Fi your home deserves. There's an all new Eero starting at just $99 and it, just, and it sets up in just minutes. Just plug it straight into your modem or router box. You can even manage it from a super simple app, which I use all the time, uh, which lets you do cool stuff like pause the wifi, Wi-Fi while you're all eating dinner and get alerts if any new device tries to join your network. Eero has fixed all of my Wi-Fi problems. No more dead spots. No more buffering. You can get yours fixed as soon as tomorrow. Go to Eero.com slash PIN and enter the code PIN at checkout. That's P-E-N, PIN, to get free overnight shipping with your order. That's E. RO.com slash PIN. Enter the code PIN at checkout to get your ERO delivered free with overnight shipping. Our thanks to ERO for their support of this show and to Relay FM. All right, Kerry. So before this whole Kenro thing, you were working your day job. And on the side, you had this Mad Hatter idea of creating a little thing called Fountain Pen Day. Where we can all celebrate the love of all things writing and fountain pens. Um, For those who are not familiar, can you give us a little bit of the background of how that started? All right. I'll give you the the short and sweet. So, (laughs) eight years ago, eight, can
1: you believe it's been eight eight years? years. I can't.
0: I can't. This one, I can believe. Eight
1: years. (laughs) I mean, all right. So, the, the quick and dirty, here you go. I'll give it short cuz they can always go back and listen cuz I gave can, a whole but, you long
0: drawn I know but, but we the get the new quick, listeners every week so we want to we want to give an update the
1: update all right the update is we'll backtrack really quick and say that 8 years ago if you go to on found pen network and search you'll see the original conversation I haven't looked in a while I'm pretty sure it's still there I hope it's still there but there was a group of us that decided that it was National Pencil Day I think it was something mm. like that it was one of those days ballpoint pen or pencil and there was no fountain pen day, and I just remember at the time I was like, "Why is there no fountain pen day?" And I was in—I was in the rabbit hole. Like I had just—I <laughs> had just gotten submerged enough that that I'm like, "I'm in," and um, you know, enthusiasm is peaked to the max. So I'm googling fountain pen day in quotes to see what came up, and literally nothing came up. The only thing that came up was like some weird um, song from like Japan or something, and it was just a, a, a Google uh, translation from Google that was like an error, and it's a fountain pen day song, but it really wasn't. <laughs>
2: That
1: Anyways, sounds accurate. It, it was just crazy. So there was nothing, and so I was like, "All right, well, I'm gonna open the Twitter account. I don't think we had Instagram then. I think that came later. And I'll do the Facebook. And I started that, and we were all chatting as a group, and blah blah blah. And uh, Rachel Glay helped me, like, even set up the Facebook page. She was an admin on it back then, just to help me because I didn't know how to do it. I wanted to do it. And you know, there was about eight of us, and we came up with a date. Um, I didn't come up the original date. I forgot who did. But they said we finally came up with the first Friday in November because the first Friday in November is after uh, Halloween. So you've cleaned up from that. And it's three weeks before Thanksgiving. So it's in like this little dead zone. And it's always on a Friday, we thought, because Friday, you can bring your favorite pen to work. And it's your opportunity to engage those around you with your craziness. And, and when they see you with a found pen and they wonder why you're not just dictating into your phone, <laughs> you can express to them why writing is good and what makes it great and challenge them and kind of bring it in. And then on the weekend, you know, spread it out. You can hang out with your friends and have a pen meetup and maybe get, and at, at that time, maybe get retail stores to engage with you and open the doors and let pen meets happen and stuff. I'll get to that in a minute. And that was the whole idea. People's lives got busier and busier as we got closer and closer, because this was in like July or August and, uh. By the time November came around, I contacted like Drumgoles and Vaness and Fountain Hospital, Goulet obviously, and a couple of others. I know I'm leaving some out. I think Penshale and maybe even um, Goldspot. Um, but anyways, I gotten them on board. And They were like, okay, you know. And by the time it came around, it it was it was me, and I mean it was me. Yeah. because people's lives get busy. It wasn't anyone's, it wasn't like anyone abandoned, you know, these people are still around and, but that's how it was. So I was in a conundrum of, I really shouldn't tell anyone that it's just me with this, you know, running this crazy idea because these are huge companies. These are, these are been around for 50, 60 years and I just kept going with it. And I kept pushing ahead and pushing ahead and pushing ahead. The first year came and went and I just kept updating and kept, you know, emailing different companies out there and retailers and, um, the second year came around and it grew even more. And by the third year, I think is when we started, um, the Instagram and I had a guy, um, Scott Fuller, who, um, at the time was just starting out, um, was a designer and I got him to do the logo for like super cheap. And he's like pretty much untouchable right now. Uh, I think he, he just did the Atlanta heats logo or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so super guy helped me out. And anyways, from there, it just, it just escalated and escalated and escalated until I went on your show. And then I, that was kind of like an open confession of, by the way, when it first started, um, (laughs) I didn't realize that it was, she was just kind of like me and, (laughs) but I just, I just took it really personal, you know, that I thought it was super important. It was really good. And even though it was something we, we invented in, in the community, it was ours and it shouldn't be anybody else's. And that's why I've held on to it the way that I have. And I don't, I don't take donations. I mean, I do the buttons for shows and I try and do social media and push and push and push because I don't want anybody to grab it. You know, this isn't a Valentine's yeah. Day thing. This is, this is ours. And, you know, it's just it's nobody's, nobody's allowed to have it. And everybody knows where it comes from. So if nobody can grab it because, you know, no, nothing's trademarked everybody. But guess what? <laughs> If somebody were to try and do something, you would have a mass exodus from your brand Mm -hmm. simply because I would tell them.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And uh you know that this is just not right. So, anyways, that's neither here nor there. The bottom line is it's a lot of fun, it gets engagement, and now you see what's happened that my dream of having retail stores open their doors. And invite people in and have events on that day, and really engage with the community on like a one-to-one friends level has just expanded, and and they do that, and it, it happens more and more every year across the globe. I mean, there are the Ohio Pen Show is on Fountain Pen Day weekend. Terry booked the hotel for like five years straight in his contract to be on that weekend because he wanted the show on Fountain Pen Day weekend. He really, you know, got into it, and and it's just you know the, the the retailers out there tell me every year it just gets bigger and bigger and it's become part of it a black friday if you will you know what i mean like everybody's got a sale but everybody's got a sale along with something to give away they've got a raffle they've got ways for people to engage and and get together and have meetups and and you know they're just giving back to the community you know on a level beyond a discount on a, on a pen you know what i mean and It's it's a give and
0: take. So that's definitely a common thread between all the businesses that we work with is how willing they are to give back to their customers, to the community as a whole, you know, to put on these events during Fountain Pen Day, like, which is, it's totally taken a life of its own in these past several years, right? It's just like, it's, it's like anticipated and expected um, that, you know, your favorite retailer your local pen store or your favorite blog or, um, anything like that is just going to do something for fountain pen day. And I think it's, it's pretty cool to see the community come together behind our own day, if you will. I think it's just a a really fun, fun thing to look forward to every, uh, every first Friday in November. It's pretty cool. And, um, is this the first year you've made a pin along with Fountain Pen Day? I know you've designed other pins and made other pins with people, but were they for Fountain Pen Day? Tell me what you did here.
1: There was there was one we did one two years ago. Um, with, uh, I just drew a blank. Crusak. I, I know the Crusack pin, but Brian, I don't know which other. Right. Okay. We did that, and then this one. Um, I sat down with Scott in Baltimore and just told him my thoughts and ideas.
0: And Scott Franklin, actually, Franklin
1: Christoph. Scott Franklin. Yes, very. <laughs> I'm taking. I'm taking for granted. Everyone <laughs> knows. So yes, Scott Franklin of Franklin Christoph pens. <clears throat> um, you know, I sat down with him, and this pen was. It means something to me more than just you know having a fountain pen, day pen, because we did it in the uh, matte ghost, and that color actually. Back four four years ago, five years ago, I went to the Triangle Pen Show, and it was Saturday night, Friday night or Saturday night. And Scott took myself, Eleanor, hi Eleanor, and Eric, <laughs> hi Eric, um, to his shop at like seven o'clock at night. And one of the guys that works there, and he's going to kill me because I just drew a blank on his name. Tall runs the machines. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we went back there, Brian? and Is it Brian? literally. Is it Brian? Yeah, Brian. Is it Brian, or Brian? I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those two. So we'll both get oh, yelled at. I own my beer. Yeah. So, bottom line is, we made a pen. Scott showed us how he makes a pen, mm. and this is after a full day at a pen show. We will go back to his shop, and I literally made uh, a ghost forty-five. Mm. No markings on it, nothing. And uh, then Eleanor made a pen, and it was blue, and it was, and she didn't polish it. She left it matte. And I always thought, I'm like, wow, ghost mat. Maybe I shouldn't have polished mine. And uh, so when we got together in Baltimore, I said, you know, orange is my jam. It's my color. And uh, I think at the time he said, yeah, you and Brad, you know, (laughs) something like that.
0: Yeah, because we were Um, working with that. We were doing the first O2 at the, we did the O2 and the 66. So we would be doing the 60s, the pocket 66 at the time.
1: Yeah, yes. And so he said, all right, so what do you want to do? And I told him, I said, I would like to do the ghost like you and I made. But in Matt, like you did for Eleanor on hers, um, with orange trim and have it for fountain pen day. I thought that would be really cool. Just do, just, I said, do 88 of them. They're not numbered, but whatever. Hmm. And uh, I asked him about engraving, and of course, engraved that was a whoa. whoa, whoa. He, he was like, listen, can't do engraving. If I do it for you, I have to do it for everybody as he's, you know, sipping his yep. the scotch or whiskey or whatever it was, and just, you know, Cause he's trying to be polite. Cause I think he was like ready to kill me. Mm-hmm. And when he's telling me no, cause I was kind of like, well, why not? You know? And uh, so, but it's something that they don't do. It's just, it's just so much work. Oh yeah. So uh, when I spoke to Lisa about it, I know that uh, Vanessa S-
2: has-
0: <laughs> Van pens. You're, you're acting like we're just sitting at the bar talking. This is how we normally talk. So we just have to elaborate yeah. a little bit for the listeners. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> uh, it, it, and it is, we don't get to talk like this too often. So. Um, but yeah, so Lisa Vanessa was like, we can engrave it. And, um, I said, really? So we did a couple of testers and it came out exactly how I
0: would look so good.
1: I mean, she really, she crushed the engraving and Mm -hmm. did such a good job. So we (laughs) typical, you know, everything last minute. Right. So we ended up getting the pens, I think like last Thursday, they did them over the weekend so that they would be ready. And, uh, well, Thursday before last (laughs) <laughs> so they would be ready. And, uh, and then Lisa's been practicing, uh, blending inks and she did one for, she did one or two, two for Joey Feldman mm-hmm. actually, and uh really cool stuff. And she's like, you know, maybe I could make a, an orange ink. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I, cause I didn't want to push her. Cause she's just, there's somebody who's on the go 24 seven, always on. And, uh, so she's like, I'll do it. And she did it. She did the label and, so we were able to have something a little extra special this year and uh, it was really nice. And, and, you know, it's nothing that I did other than suggestions and, you know, asking and, you know, people in the community always come together. And I think it really made a lot of people happy. I saw, you know, a couple of people at the Ohio pen show had actually come up to me and said, Oh, I ordered one. And Hmm. it's like, cool. And, you know, you see them online and people getting them. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, the, at, at the end, it means something because it reminds me every time I see that pen, it reminds me of, of a moment I had with a really good friend just hanging out in his shop and he's showing me how he does what he does, you know, and uh, that was really nice. Super special this year.
0: Yeah, you can still get them at Van S Pens. We'll have the link in the show notes and the ink's still available and carry. Um, this was another moment to use your words with a very good friend. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your stories with us and uh, telling us all the ins and outs of what you are up to these days. And we'll make it not so long uh, between episodes next time. Uh, we'll, we'll work on that a little bit more. So before we go, tell everyone, uh, plug all the things. Where do you want people to find you? Where do you want people to look? And we'll have all these links in the show notes. I am going to be
1: uh, everywhere. I'll be in Madrid. <laughs> Everyone that's in Madrid from Sarge and, and Andran and uh, everybody else, I will see you there uh, this weekend. Let's see. I'm going to be at Farney's on Friday. I will be at Bertram's on Saturday. Uh, then, Madrid. then December starts. We'll be at Fountain Pen Hospital, uh, I think the 5th, 6th, 7th. And then the week after that, I am going to back up to the Virginia, Maryland area, and I'm going to be at Farney's. Bertram's Levenger and Penn boutique for an event on that Saturday then the week after that starting Wednesday I'll be at Atlas Stationers for an event and Levenger for an event and I believe I'll be seeing the Andersons as well on Friday and then I think the year ends
0: <laughs> and then it starts and, all and, over again. wait
1: and then and then we go into Philadelphia which is a week later this year I think
0: actually yeah, it's like the seventeenth-ish, something like that. <laughs> okay, so no, we're into twenty no twenty January now. <laughs> no rest for the weary, man. No, you, you got to go on. Listen,
1: I'm around there, and and again, I, I love seeing everybody, and I really do appreciate the community and, and hanging out. So whether it's a DC crew, the New York crew, or everyone in San Francisco or Dallas or you know everywhere, Arkansas. I mean, I can't. I can shout out everybody, or or the awesome people in Toronto. It's just you know. Living the dream and really, really appreciating it, and everybody out there.
0: Yep, it's fantastic. So you can find this show in all of Relay FM show at relay.fm. This particular one is at slash penaddict. It will be three eighty four this week. So go there, find all all of our wonderful podcast work that we do as a network. You can find me at penaddict.com and all of my links. For all of the shenanigans I am up to, uh, can be found from there. So thank you, Carrie, for joining us. And until the next time, say goodbye, Carrie.
2: Goodbye, Brad. And thank you so much again.
0: <laughs> you got it, man. We'll see you later.